Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We preview film productions and events in the region and speak with creative entrepreneurs as Erie carves out its part in the wider industry landscape. I'm Erica Berlin, the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm Jesse Olszewski, a filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Stuart Nash, filmmaker, cinematographer, guild member, and director of the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society. This week, we'll preview A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is playing Wednesday at Film Grain Dinner and a Movie. And today, our guest is Rebecca Stein, VP of Ventures for the Erie Innovation District, owner of Room 33, actress, and musician. Wow. Wow. I don't know about the actress part. Oh. <laughs> she's an actress. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse does. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. Events take place at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania. The series features a big screen, upgraded sound, couch and table seating, and table service all night long. Dinner and dessert are buffet style and included with your admission vegetarian options. Every week, gluten-free on request. And assistive listening devices are available, too, on request. What? <laughs> Come again? Oh, nice. <laughs> this Wednesday night, we're screening A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, also known as the Mr. Rogers movie starring Tom Hanks, that was filmed in Pittsburgh. It's based on a true story of a real-life friendship between Fred Rogers and a journalist for Esquire magazine. It's a really good movie. I watched it recently. And cried. And cried. Yeah, it's this uh, really jaded journalist um, whose job for Esquire was basically to do these deep dives um, on people and find dirt on them and ruin their reputations. Mm-hmm. And he has assigned Fred Rogers, and he's got this big chip on his shoulder, and Fred Rogers um, really is an incredible human being <laughs> and got him to open up about a lot of stuff, and it's really touching, and um, it was a great way to handle uh, diving into a Fred Rogers story. Pre-sales for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood are available through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. This one is so close to sold out. Probably by the time this airs, it may be, so check and see the sellout status on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Always contact us at the last minute just to make sure if you really want to see something, we may have a seat here or there. That's true. We can possibly accommodate you if things look sold out. Yeah. Just make sure you reach out. And if you want one of those assistive listening devices, let us know. Yeah. What is our max cap? 120? Because we're at 108 right yeah, now I don't, in ticket sales. Yeah, so I don't know right now. We probably yeah. have about less than 20 tickets left. Yeah. yeah. Depends on how many we can squeeze in extra. We put people up in the balcony now. Yeah. And uh, Brian, our AV tech, put a speaker up there. Right. So I saw that He does a great week. job. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the sound in the balcony is just as yeah. good as it is down in front. We just keep adding speakers. I know. We've got to be able to like 20 yeah. speakers in there. Soon every chair will have a speaker <laughs> and a vibration. <laughs> That's right. All right. So join us. Don't miss it.
Welcome. <laughs> so we're here with Rebecca Stein. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Nice to see you. Likewise. Thanks for joining us. Gracing us me. with your presence. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. I'm in a weird so, mood today. I know, I'm like in a giggly mood. Um, so, Rebecca, where are you from? Are you originally from Erie or I am. the region? I'm originally from Erie, born and raised. Um, always lived kind of in Mill Creek or the city area. Okay. Yeah. All right. So an Erieite. Yes. Uh, yes. Where did you go to school then, local? I went to grade school at Our Lady of Peace. And then I moved on to Westlake and then McDowell. Westlake. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I went to Westlake. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, and, and McDowell. And McDowell? Yeah. Where else did you go? That. Would you like to know my history and where I went to school? <laughs> I do. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so you started off, um, well, when you first went to college, Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of college. I've done a lot of college. I'm still in college. You originally, that's true, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. But you originally went for music. I did. For piano. So yep. um, as a young scrubber, mm-hmm. what got, what got <laughs> you, you into interested it? into music? Did you play for the family? Did you have a piano growing up? Uh, I did. But my grandfather on my mom's side was a really awesome musician. He used to play in bands and such around town. Um, but he was a mandolin and a guitar player, and um, he's the one who kind of inspired me to get into music. And then, so I was like five years old, and at that time I could read, so I learned by reading music. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. That's, that's like backwards nowadays. I know. <laughs> People right. are like, oh, I, I can't even read music, and they play everything. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I, especially after I graduated from college, I was in a couple of bands and every band that I was in, nobody read music. And mm-hmm. But that's how I knew music was true. You're like, it. here's your part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, like, we don't Soprano, do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when you were starting out, did you like, did you play somewhere? Did you perform before you went to college? Before I went to college, no. I mean, I I took lessons obviously th- over the years, and I was in various like piano competitions. I was I was actually a pretty good pianist when I was younger, but um, and it was really hard to stay with it though. When you're young, you want to be doing so many different things instead of hours at a piano. Yeah. Uh, but my mother really kind of honed in on that, and then. Um, when I went to school, I went to school for piano performance, not even education, which might have been a smarter move at the early onset to be able to teach, but I thought I would perform. And um, about halfway through, I decided I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, um, but I enjoyed it, and I thought maybe I would be in the arts administration in some capacity. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So this is, uh, which which school were you This is Mercyhurst. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so you said you decided halfway through... Yep, about two years in, uh, just because of the time you spent in a in a room with a piano, it was just too much, too isolating, and I enjoyed yeah. being around people. And um, because it's just hours, right? Hours. hours I mean, hours you can spend. I mean, people would spend up to eight hours a day yeah. working on. Yeah, which you know, when you're that young, and as a as a music major, we we had like eight classes a semester, like, and four of them were for zero credit. So it uh. was it was an odd schedule zero credit yeah it was yeah but you had to take them okay (laughs) yeah so then you jumped out of there and then where um where did your interests lie after piano music so i thought i wanted to be an arts administrator like run i think my dream then was to run the new york philharmonic or something so i kept trying to get interviews in different places and i couldn't score one you know with just a performance degree so that's how i 
got into like the little bit of marketing communications mm -hmm. element of things because I thought if I could build up to that. Yeah. Um, so it's I, not a little bit. You you were all over the place doing a lot of marketing communications. Yeah. Yeah. I started at well, I originally started my my first professional job was at Lecom actually. Um, but it's not very exciting. It was running lecture halls. Um, so it was audiovisual stuff is what I did, of which I had no background in at all. But um, it, it went fine. But the <laughs> PR director there was the one I had actually reached out to and said, listen, I want to learn this. So, you know, and he had nobody at the time. So he started giving me stuff I could work on slowly. Pierre? So, yeah, it was Pierre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Pierre Bellicini. All so right. yeah, and he was yeah, he, and and he probably doesn't even remember that. So, um, but then I left there and I went to the Villa Center, and then I sent a cold resume to the Erie Art Museum. And that day, they happened to John Vanko happened to find out that his publicist was leaving, and John, being John, was wow. like, "This is serendipitous," and yeah. <laughs> brought me in and was like, "Yeah, you're hired." Wow. So great, yeah, wow. So I just kind of floated around from there. That's awesome. <laughs> so then you're at the art museum. Um, mm -hmm. I remember, I think, around that time. Well, we originally met because I had seen you probably with the Killerinas or yeah. something yes, like that. I yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was Sue a fun Martin band. Was in that band too, right? That's right. I've never heard yeah. that. What's, what's that? Talk about the Killerinas. You never heard of the Killerinas? No. Oh, gosh. It was so many years ago, but it was with Sue Martin, Gina Rulo. It was supposed to be an all-girls band, but somehow Eric Milner... <laughs> happened to become the drummer of it. Um, and then Lee Bodine was in it. So it was mainly, we were doing pop stuff, but they were all writing their music too. And It's a little punky. Yeah, it was punky. Um, so it was like we dressed in pink and black. And nice. So was, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> what was the big jam? What was the closing song? <laughs> um, God, I wish I could even remember. Because most of them, like I said, were, Those were, were fun written. Those um, and where would you, you play? Were fun. Oh gosh, uh, we like <laughs> the beer mug, guys. or we right, would okay. be like we'd be one of six bands, you know, that would go up and play for like forty five minutes maybe or I something. Have. I was gonna say I remember <laughs> being at a, blur, a show. You know, yeah, I don't remember where. And then what's the all ages place that's on Peach? I'm blanking on the name right now. That... Uh, oh, base, base. Forward, Hall? Forward, Forward Hall. Hall. Yeah, Forward yeah. Hall. we played there a lot too. So, any reunion plans? No, 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 no. They still they still perform a lot. Uh, eventually when, and I wasn't great at writing music, and they started almost, like, they wrote so much, I just couldn't keep up with what they, what yeah. I wanted to do with them, so. They kind of morphed into, like, Planet Claire, I think, yes. would be what yeah. Sue goes by now. Yep, yeah. she does. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she's also in a like few such more. such a great band name. Yeah, it, sure it was fun, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Planet Claire, that's a cool name, too. That's a B-52 song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you're in marketing communications. You're playing in some bands. Mm -hmm. um, then you get into sales uh, for a little bit. Yeah, at the, at the Sheraton, I think that mm -hmm. was. That was a few years later. Uh, I was their sales manager for a couple of years. So what actually happened prior to that time was I was looking out of town. Um, I was interviewing in D.C. for about a good year because I didn't couldn't find the career I wanted here. Um, you know, there was such a ceiling everywhere that I was at. What time I'd... frame is this? Like what year? So probably about 2012, okay. maybe, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So Because the sales, that, I think that was the only sales role that I mm -hmm. had. So I'm trying to think. Um, and that's the time frame that I met 
Rob, my mm-hmm. husband. So, and Rob was living in DC. So I was interviewing at these really great companies like Pal Tate and these huge public affair companies. And they were really great jobs, but they ended up being like, they would pay nothing. Or I would be like one of two like top candidates and then I wouldn't get the job. Mm. So at the time that I met Rob, we were going back and forth for about a year. And then he worked for Booz Allen Hamilton. Booz told him he could work remote. So then I was stuck back in Erie again. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I don't love Erie um, because obviously I do. But I was like, oh, this is the time I can get out. Well, yeah, so I didn't get out. But um, then at that point, I'd been working at LeeCom for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went to the Sheraton. Okay. Because I felt that I'd been, I'm like, obviously I want to leave, so I feel bad staying. So now I need to find a new job. Mm. Yeah. Understood. Mm -hmm. So then you're at the Sheridan. Um, Was it around that time? Well, that was when you got involved with the Film Society, kind of, because that's when we did our um, first Oscar party. Yeah, Yeah, at the Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. And you stepped up and And helped us out there. And we did the art museum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah, it was very cool. Except we couldn't call it it the Oscars. We weren't allowed to call it the... We weren't able to use that word. So we yeah. one night one, one night Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nobody's allowed to use that word. Yeah. Only the Oscar. Not even Oscar is allowed to <laughs> yeah. use that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Then around, you'll have to help me with the time frame. Um, but I know you go back to Gannon for your master's, right? Yeah, that was and... a long time ago, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I cut, yeah, I'm like jumping all over the place. It's all good. Master's was like 2002. I did that early okay. on because who's getting a job with a performance degree in piano? So, Got smart. It. <laughs> okay. So, master's in public administration. Mm-hmm. With a focus in marketing. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. So, that all fits in, yep. into that. So, politics. Yeah. That kind of came out of left field for me personally. My sister, Mary, was the district director for Arlen Specter, our federal senator at the time. So, she was really heavily involved in politics. And um, you know what? I don't have, like, these lifelong dreams of things. I just wake up some days and go, you know what? I kind of want to do this. I need another challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I woke up one day. I was like, I want to run for office. Love it. And then somebody was like, you should run for school board. And I'm like, why would I run for school board? They don't do anything. I mean, I know that they do. But at the time, like, you don't get paid. Like, I'm like, no, it needs to be bigger than that. You set the taxes. Everyone loves you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, they do a lot. But um, so that was county council. But I ran against Phil Fatika. Yeah. Who was a well-known entity. So, yeah, uh, I didn't win, but I did I did do fairly well for a first-time yeah. candidate. Yeah, you did. I remember your colors were purple. Purple? No, blue. Blue? <laughs> blue and white. Oh, my yeah. You remember. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> your colors were purple. I remember. Yeah. Purple and yellow. No. 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 <laughs> All right. Testing my memory now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're also... You continue to be a contributing writer for the Erie Reader. I do. But did you start back kind of? I, I wrote then? their cover for their inaugural issue Holy back in 2011. Wow, yeah. It was on Buddy Guy. So, okay. yeah. I re- yeah. It was great. I got to interview him. And then he came to Erie. And then I got to have some Cavassier with him backstage, too. Nice. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's badass. So, yeah. Very cool. I was with them until I ran for city council. And then I... I deliberately told them I didn't want to have that voice, you know, just to to be fair. Um, and then after I ran, I picked it back up. Yeah, came back in. Yeah. And now you uh, it looks like you do 
an article a month about yeah i have a column that focuses on entrepreneurs in the community mm-hmm. so yeah. Which we're getting close to yeah. in the history of Rebecca's yeah. mm-hmm. So we're talking yeah. about the morning you woke up and said, I'm going to start a restaurant bar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there was that, too. Yeah, because everybody always says, oh, did you always want to have a restaurant bar? And I'm like, no, and I probably never will want to have one again after this time. But it's, I mean, I have such a great team, and I am really excited that I do have it. But um, when I started it, I wanted my own thing. That what was is the bu- name of this place? Room 33. All right. Did you ever go? I've been there. I've yeah. been there a couple times. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was working, and I just wanted to be my own boss in some capacity. So, unfortunately, I still have a boss, but I still, you know, at some point might be my own boss later on down the line. Because the, the initial concept was going to be uh, like a private club that mm-hmm. was more of a middle-of-the-road Erie club, you know. And so I started looking around at places, like a bottle club. So everybody would have a spirit locker. You could bring in your own mm-hmm. drinks. And you still do those in town? <laughs> are we allowed to do those? You, can't, all, you can. Yeah. You can. There are certain places that are, that are designated for that. Um, it, it's honestly a little trickier, though, which I didn't, you know, at the time I thought getting a liquor license would be near impossible because I had heard everybody has them in safekeeping, and I'm like, who is this everybody? Yeah. And then I came across the location on 11th and State, and I had talked to the owner there. And he's like, if you just go on the PLCB website, they have to list everyone who has one. So at the time, what had happened that particular year, which was 2017, anybody who had had a liquor license in safekeeping, the following year was going to get a $10,000 fine every year for keeping it in safekeeping. Oh. But that's um, a smart way to get people to yeah. stop holding them in safekeeping. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was... So who told you this, hoarding, by the way, safekeeping? Because the prior owner was Bob Nelson? No. Uh, and Bo- Bob's great. Uh, he, he, he's he been in several times. It's... um, And I knew you were going to ask me, and I'm blanking on his name. He owns Jekyll and Hyde's. Ah, um, uh, right, 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 right. Okay. Don't go anywhere. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're good. <laughs> so, yes. And uh, so he was selling the building at the time, but he offered an opportunity to lease it from us and he ended up actually selling it right after we ended up uh signing the lease so do me a favor though uh everyone here knows about room 33 located on state street but talk to tell us what kind of a bar it is because it's the first speakeasy in town so to speak i mean what happens when you walk in the door there yeah it's um it's a little bookshop and you go through a bookcase to get into the bar when the liquor license became an option I was like, all right, I just don't want to have a bar, like a normal bar. So my husband and I talked about it, and um, we had been to different speakeasies in different places, and we're like, let's try to do something like that. But it had to be cost-effective because some, some of those things are insane. The way, you know, you go through vaults or you go through telephone booths or, you know, and the, and the manpower to just kind of keep people, you know, when they come in. I also knew I didn't want to be an intimidation factor if people walked in there. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a bookcase, um, and you just open the door. And go through. Well, I'm sure you had to be ADA compliant and all that good you stuff. You do. Yep. Yeah. yeah you yeah. absolutely had to be ADA compliant. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, with, you walk and in. that's a certain f- like dimension and everything sure. like that. So. But yeah, it's very cool. And then yeah. you also have a uh, big old cigar bar area. We don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Skip that. I, <laughs> I thought you had one. Sorry. We did time. originally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then the CIA got involved. So bomber. The, the Clean Indoor Air Act is yeah. Even though you had that enclosed room. Correct. Yeah, it was not grandfathered in. And to be honest with you, I um, I went down to Harrisburg and served as my own lawyer to fight for it wow. um, cool. at one point. 
and they still there's so many loopholes and they're paid to they're paid to do this i mean i'm sure you guys have seen in the paper recently they're trying to eliminate all smoking everywhere so that's the whole initiative behind it is just to get rid of it completely yeah, yeah. i'm not a big fan yeah, of cigars, I, can't, I was gonna say i, I nice can't say that i'm those who sad. like right. to smoke yeah, cigars you right, know because plus you don't it was get in a that sectioned a, off area right and yeah. uh, when I was in there, I would never smell it. You know? And it had everything. It had everything it needed to have, like the air purifiers and the and the exhaust fan going outside and two separate entrances. Everything it needed, but it just didn't happen to fall in the timeline of when it the the act was introduced. And plus, you have a stage. We do. Yep. So we do live music every weekend, which is yeah. wonderful. Awesome. And, we, and open mic on Wednesday nights. Yep. We do open mic Wednesday nights, and once now twice a month we do a comedy showcase um, every the first and third Wednesdays of the month too. So very cool. It's, yeah. Check that out. Yeah. It's actually really fun. Do we ever get you up there on piano? Uh, we did last year. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I, I missed that. You guys yeah. came and entertained the uh, people from, or actually they were invited, but. Yes. I yes. That's I, a right, cover billionaire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They came down that one night. If you compare all the other downtown places, I would say Room 33 is probably one of the best. Yeah. Atmosphere-wise. Very Just classy. the decor, classy. Yeah, the the music and the cocktails and the food and all of it. And your staff's great. Yeah. And you a great happy hour going on, too. We do, Are you yeah. still doing the Prohibition Day prices? We still do. So we do the we do a couple of different <laughs> regular. <happy hours>. <laughs> <laughs> some regulars over there. Yeah, prohibition um, prices. Mm-hmm. Right. We do have what? the three thirty three cocktail on Thursdays. Yep. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah. that's cool too. Yeah. We did have it at thirty three cents at one point. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. That. Oh yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's yeah. in there like, right like, and oh, having geez, a drink. I'm leaving. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's not too nice. You gotta stay, hang out a little bit, right. perhaps. You know, yeah. two right. drink yeah. minimum at thirty three cents or a pop. Get some food. Or three dollars yeah. and thirty three cents. Right. Yeah, we have that now. Yeah. Deal too. That's yeah. a good yeah. deal for it a is. cocktail, and considering what you can. Yeah, they're nice cocktails. Yeah, but the thirty three is what I was. Now I'm thirsty. I know. Can't hungry. <laughs> and my mom's picky, and we always go there before the Philharmonic, and she's oh, she loves the food. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The food's and she's tough yeah. to please. Yeah, we're not quite known <laughs> as the food place yet, so hopefully that'll build up over time. But it's good stuff. Really yeah, good it's show. great. Talk about your TEDx experience. How did you get involved with that, and what did you talk about? Uh, well, I actually had applied for it a year before that. I the year before I got involved, I, I did it in fourteen or fifteen. Personally, I can't remember which year it was. It was the last year at the Warner. So I did it because I was doing my PhD in leadership. So I submitted something called The Dark Side of Charisma. Um, yeah, it was so a good title. Thanks. I like that. Yeah. It was a good speech. Yeah. And it was just well focused timed. on, yeah, dark, charismatic leaders. And it was right before the presidential election mm-hmm. that year. So, yeah. <laughs> Who would have known that yeah. at the time? Yeah. She knew that. The speaker saw something right? I mean, you liked it? It was great. I wish, uh, I wish it was still around this year. And then the following year, um, when it was at McDowell, was that the following year? Mm-hmm. I was one of the MCs. For right, it too. Right, right, so yeah, and I remember you being back there. Like sure. yeah, I yeah. had a great time with it. I yeah, think it's a really essential producers. thing that Erie that Erie needs, and I wish there was more support for it to keep it going. John Silva's bringing back TEDx. I heard so uh, right. that's in the works. So for anybody who's interested, uh, it's a great experience. I mean, you can attest to that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think you tremendous. got lucky, or at least your class of TEDx talkers in Erie were lucky because you were able to uh, do it at the uh, Warner. Yes. And I can guarantee yeah. you that will never happen again, probably unless we have some big benefactor. Right. So right. Uh, yeah. It was really cool. It was yeah, it really was. interesting to be on that stage. So uh, you wear so many hats. 
congrats, Rebecca. How do you do it? Uh, Seriously. I haven't figured out what I want to do for the rest of my life yet. But I mean, yeah. people, uh, you know, they do one thing. Um, they have their day job. Um, and maybe they have a hobby or something like that. But, um, you know, I think it's very admirable that you do so many things and are so supportive of, you know, we asked you for help. You stepped up and helped. I know you help a lot of organizations. You're on a bunch of different boards, too. Yeah, I do enjoy. I mean, that is something I do enjoy is just helping others. And sometimes they're just little one-off sort of things, and they're not for a long period of time. But if it's an opportunity to get involved and learn something new and, you know, just kind of be active in different arenas, it just broadens your mindset. Yeah. So, so because you've been involved in the arts, um, you're an artist yourself, but you're also a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, what do you think the relationship or the responsibility is between the business community and the arts community and, and vice versa? I mean, I really think uh, it's essential for entrepreneurs or the business community to be actively involved in the, in the arts community. I mean, just getting involved in this play right now. Rebecca and I were recently in The Last Days of Judas Iscariot at PACA, which ran for three weekends, and it was a great experience. It was an awesome show. You guys were both great. Thanks, John. <laughs> and what parts did you have? Rebecca, we'll start with you since you're our guest. I, well, I am an angel. Her name is Gloria. Uh, she lives in purgatory. Well, hope, really, um, in purgatory. So, But the per individual is on trial. What is your part entail? I actually set the stage. I literally have almost an opening monologue. I come out and I say, this is what this looks like and how life is pretty much determined through this particular trial at this point. Whereas, so per in within purgatory, there's a place called hope. And so I talk about hope for a little bit and how hope is perceived as different things throughout the course of of life and, and the last centuries and everything, you know, in time. And in this particular time frame, uh, trial is actually, I'm, I can't think of the word I want right now, but it's with Judas on trial. That's yeah, so Judas is in purgatory where he's been since the betrayal of Jesus. And then the whole play is him going to trial and there's a defense and a prosecutor and they're both trying to say he should be in hell or he shouldn't be in hell. And they recall a lot of famous biblical figures to give testimony on who Judas was. Was he good? Was he bad? And uh, it's got a lot of laughs and a lot of like deep moments as well. The first act is definitely lighter, um, yeah. and the second gets very dark and intense. But it's really enlightening, and even for somebody who isn't religious, it's just it provides so much information in that context, and it just gives you a different perception on the way things have been in biblical times. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I assume you auditioned for this, and this isn't the first time that I you... didn't actually. Oh, you did not. This. I don't know if oh, anybody wow. actually. I actually did not audition either. Oh. Yeah, I think did this no one, one was. Yeah, I think in this particular one it was handpicked. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. But you, yeah. you've you done other stuff with PACA before, right? Yeah, I did Gory Stories last okay, year. That right. was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was an all-girl cast. With Betsy. So. With Victoria. Betsy. Yeah. Yep. And Betsy's in. Betsy's in. She, yeah. Was in yep. yeah, this one as well. Mm -hmm. She plays Mother Teresa. Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really quite phenomenal. It is. Yeah. So do you, uh, in the audience, do you see more familiar faces in the business community? I mean, are you bringing, are you kind of introducing more people to the arts? You know, that's kind of my hope. That's been my hope in anything that I've ever kind of participated in. And and I see a little bit here and there. It's just getting the continuity of that. Like people will come out and then, 
and then they don't. And it, but the same goes for being a, a business owner. It's getting mm-hmm. people downtown. It's getting people more active. It's yeah. just, it's just kind of building up that so that people understand that getting out of your house and doing things and getting involved are, are essential to the growth of your communities. Yeah. So. What do you think we can do better from both sides, from the business community and from the arts community, to build that relationship? I mean, entrepreneurs are risk takers, right? So I think there is an essential element there that collectively in working with the art community, kind of building up that base, I found just being on both sides of it, there's people that aren't both, right? So, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that are really great artists and there's a lot of people that are really great business people, but they those are two completely different skill sets to have. And I think the marriage of those two in some capacity for so many people out there would, you know, would catapult uh, not only their own businesses, but our communities at large. So I think just essentially bringing them together in in some way would be phenomenal because the mindsets are totally different. I don't know if you're calling open brainstorming. Cannonbaum had a really good comment, though, after post 9-11, a lot of the arts and uh, just, you know, kind of went away because everyone kind of wanted their money put away and what have you. So it's nice to see that this relationship between the business and the arts community is coming more and more. But I think it needs to go farther because I personally, what I'm seeing is just the big places like your insurance, uh, you know, uh, GE, they're the ones who help sponsor the big events, say at the Playhouse, Philharmonic, et cetera. But PACA is what we call, uh, you know, community theater. Well, you'd call it homegrown. homegrown. I mean, the Playhouse is still community theater also, but in a different sense. Um, so it's nice to see that happening. One of the things that Mark does that not a lot of other, other nonprofits do is he pays taxes, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And Yeah, he did mention that. And I, mm-hmm. we all said, thank you very much, Mark. We yeah. appreciate you doing that. And I think that's part of the essential messaging too, is kind of communicating that, you know, he, they're just, especially for somebody like him, who's out there trying to raise funds from a grassroots effort, and he's still doing things the way that, you know, a business person would do them. Um, it makes it much more difficult for him. But if it's communicated, you know, out to a broader base, it might get more support over time. But I think it's, I think it's, dif- it's difficult. It's difficult to raise money. I did, you know, fundraising for many years for arts organizations, and everybody has their passion and what they're tied to. And now that we have a community that's more budding with entrepreneurship, we've got to be able to marry those two more. Yeah. Yeah. What tips do you have um, for creative entrepreneurs as far as uh, approaching investors and things like that. Obviously, you need to do your research, like you said, and find if there's an interest there. A lot of people will um, give to the obvious pillars, right? Like the big museum in town, the Philharmonic in town, but there's so much more to offer here. How do, how do we reach them? A lot of it depends on the organization. Is there like a collaborative effort that can happen? You know, it's ensuring that, you know, some of these services aren't duplicated. But from the creative standpoint, for artists and such in general, depending on what they're looking for, are they looking to have a gallery? Are they looking to produce music or film? Are they looking to sell their their work? It's just kind of one of the things that I don't think we've done well as a community and from an entrepreneurial perspective, at least, you know, in the former years is kind of creating a one-stop shop of resources for when you do need to to be more entrepreneurial. I don't think we've 
kind of been effective at that. And for people that don't have the wherewithal to understand what you actually need to do, it's a really daunting process. Even when I opened my business, I had the wherewithal to know what I needed to do. And you still don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And I had the connections. But there's a lot of people that don't have those connections in this community. And I think we just need to be more open to mentoring and being out there and giving to others. And, And knowing that something that might seem and sound very basic to us that when they come with questions or need resources may not be to them. Right. So in just being more empathetic and broader in our understanding and, and just more open to people that are that are seeking help. What's your favorite movie? Ever? Ever. Well, probably The Godfather. <laughs> okay, well, that's yeah. a great answer. Excellent choice. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Who's the Godfather of Erie? I don't know if that's a good title. I don't know. It's yeah, just, I don't know. That could be controversial. I mean, they're pro- at one point, there <laughs> were, like um, you know, there were some. Who does everyone pay up to? Yeah, there was that at some point, um, you know, and it was written about. Sure. As well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Lou Tulio. That's a safe one. <laughs> <laughs> well put, well said. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind for me while you were talking isn't really a question. It's more of a, a comment that, you know, business is very important and it creates the economy, makes the world go around, but then you have art, which makes it kind of worth, it gives it the the pizzazz, it gives it the, the emotion, the feeling. And, you know, John mentioned that you're going to work and maybe you have a hobby. I think, Rebecca, you're a great example of somebody who can wake up and do what you want. And it's another great reason why Erie is a wonderful place to live because you can mm-hmm. do that. You can wake up one morning and decide you want to run for office. And right. the the kind of rich life experiences that a lot of people could never dream of making happen, you've made happen. And and John has and Stu has and a lot of people in our community have and having just the guts to do that. So I think being in support of entrepreneurs and helping them understand to know what they need to know um, gives them the opportunity to take whatever it is. They could have an artistic passion and turn that into a business. I mean, those things go very, very closely together. But also, I work at Erie Insurance, and I'm an actuary. But what do I do when I leave my job? I go to a movie. I go to a play. I enjoy music. I go out to eat. I mean, the, the, the softer side of life, the thing that makes it worth living, you know. You can go to work and have your job, but the arts are what... Yeah, and Erie really has a rich tapestry of yeah. that. Like, I think we've been very blessed to have, and very, very talented artists and actors mm-hmm. and musicians, too, that I know other people in outside communities have said to us, we don't see this. You know, you don't see this in communities like this. We have it. Um, so it's just making it more, I mean, it's accessible, but it's just making it more more of an opportunity for those that want to do something with it. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. What's next? You have anything next? You I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to graduate in May, so that'll be good. That's a big one. Yeah, and then I'll be done with school forever. I think. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. <Knock on> wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Rebecca. That's been our. Thank you episode. very much. Yeah. Thanks for all you guys do too. That's been our episode. You can buy tickets for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and the rest of our 2020 programming at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Next week's guest will be Bill Kern, owner of Bastion Studios. Looking forward to that interview. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.